Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. title is part two of the greatest closure ever told and uh, last week we went into that about about Peter's life and how he dislike a closure in her life and many people got in touch with me and says that they even know that there, there was lack of closure in their life and it's it's so important that uh, that we get that but but more importantly it's it was vital that Peter and Jesus had this uh, reunion together time together even though they the peter was in the upper room but they needed this uh time together he can realign peter's call in his life because he was his confidence was shot to bits and i talked about that last week and just to give you a heads up we're in john 21 and at the start of john 21 i think we read the first 15 verses and uh, 14 verses where where they are meet, waiting at the side of the the sea and peter decides to go fishing and the other disciples follow them there's seven or eight of them there at the time and they go fishing and uh and there jesus stands at the sea the side of the sea and is preparing breakfast and he calls out to peter and he calls out to the disciples to cast their nets to the other side and we talked all about that and then John says to Peter it's the Lord and Peter dives into the water he puts on his outer garments he dives into the water he swims to Jesus now he's got this he's got this lots of shames going on it's uh, he's not free yet from the events and the reason he's not free yet from the event is is because there's never really been a conversation about this event uh, things have been done Jesus Peter was in the road to Emmaus although he didn't know it was Christ he was in the road to Emmaus then he was in the upper room that we know that Peter repented but he but this was still underlying and he hadn't had this conversation so he dies into the the water he swims to Jesus and he's still kind of in approval kind of performance mode he's he's loving Jesus in his own strength maybe a better way of putting it and then he comes to the sea and then there's a great haul of fish as we know well there's 153 fish that we're not going into uh, uh, because it doesn't matter and then the 150 the, Peter himself goes and drags the fish Jesus asks for the fish and then he starts preparing uh, this meal and sits and serves them the meal, which takes us up to where we're at. And uh, I think this, but this personal dialogue, and this is where we're going to get into today, and this is so important that we, we that we, we spend some time here, just as we have been in going through Ephesians, that we're spending time. And, you know, I think we... Over the years, we certainly did as a church, and many churches do, they, they so scrimp in the word that every line, I've even said this, even the spaces between the words in the word has got power in them. No, every single thing has got power in them. Uh, where you put things, where you place things, you know, uh, where you put commas even matters, you know. Uh, I give you Jehovah's Witness, but that's another story. Uh, and up to this point, there's still no been a, a personal dialogue here of this situation where Peter had denied Jesus three times. There's never been closure on it. Uh, and I always think that's needed. Some people say, and I'm sure you've heard that, some things are best left unsaid. I'm sure if you've been at all, get a pulse, you would have heard that 
and it's always regarding difficult conversations or difficult breaks or fallouts or arguments or fights, in-house fights or uh, family feuds or a fallout or something's been done or something's been said. And, and I think our shame and guilt and embarrassment would rather not at times have the conversation. Uh, I think if we look at back at our life, we would maybe say, you know what, oh, let's just no bother saying it. And I'm sure you've been in relationships and, and there's been friction or tension or something's been in the relationship. And it's just awkward because you, you know and they know and you know they know and they know you know, but you don't see anything. And you just kind of keep this silence and... Nothing really gets closure. And I think the guilt and embarrassment and the shame, certainly here with Peter, the guilt, embarrassment, shame, be kind of like, oh, I kind of want it dealt with, but I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm sure Peter, Peter knows it's somehow no okay. And when it's going on in us, those, those lack, that lack of closure, I think it's the same with us. And I think in life, there's a, a lot of things that need to be unsaid. Let me just say that. I think in life there's a lot of things that need to be unsaid, especially where anger, revenge, bitterness, speaking through hearts because we can't tame the tongue, uh, or speaking without capturing your thoughts. You know, I think uh, that some of that is the most damaging speeches that you've ever made in your life. Can I add, even, even to them who you are venting to, and let me say this, even to them you're venting to who are on your side, Okay, you might not. Them who you're venting to on the side, some of the greatest spiritual amputees, who I believe, spirit Christian, spiritual amputees, uh, are people who are constantly offloaded onto. And maybe some of those spiritual amputees, let me just say, just need to, need to just say, I know you're hurting. And sometimes... People struggle to say this. I know you're hurting, especially when we're very dependent and, and we think we can't handle other people's pain or other people's dilemma. But I, let me just get a sidetrack here in case you think I'm going off track here. Let me just say this. Jesus is in no hurry here. Well, somebody's running, right, let's fix it. Let's jump in and fix it. Jesus is in no hurry here. You know, I'm, I'm almost like, I don't know, it depends on where you live. I'm almost like, forget the meal. Forget the meal. <laughs> Are you okay with me? <laughs> you know, I almost don't want the meal. And, uh, and sometimes I think we spiritual, I'm calling them spiritual amputee. This is where you've maybe got people who are venting offloading. They're constantly venting offloading onto you. Uh, and sometimes I think we need to say, you know what, I know you're hurting. And I know you want to vent and seek healing for your feelings. But my ears are no Jesus. Maybe I think to say, my ears are not Jesus. I can't, you don't get healing with offloading to me. I know you think you're doing. I'm not saying it's always wrong, but that's not how it operates. And, 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 and neither is my affirmation. Uh, and of course that requires freedom in both parts. It requires us to be self-controlled. I'm talking to believers here. It requires us to be more self-controlled to think, I just need to wrestle. I just need to take that. I don't need to pray about that. I need to wrestle with that. I need to take that to God. I need to just, I just need to seek God in prayer for that what's going on in me. No, but then when you've always got a foil of somebody goes, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? And then what happens is they just offload that. And before you know it, both are spiritual amputees, almost. 
And, and it, takes, it takes us to kind of step back and say, you know what, I'm just going to let them be. And I, I was talking actually about that when I was going to interview the other day. And I think it requires freedom for both parts. But let me move on. However, I think in true godly relationships, let me say here, in true godly relationships, when it comes to guilt or shame or healing or forgiveness or restoration, which is happening here with Peter, these things should never, ever be left unsaid. Never be left unsaid. Uh, or not spoke on. And many, many relationships and you could probably identify with this yourself. Many relationships end because of what is no said. Many end because of what is said. And many then end up fragmented also because of what's no said. But it should have been said. It doesn't strengthen the relationship. Uh, and here's a good litmus test um, for this. If it's seeking restoration, healing, Please don't dress venting up as that. See, yeah, I have to say that. Oh. So somehow, sometimes you think, I, I, I'm just looking for healing. No, if you're looking for healing, you don't need to speak to them about it. You need to speak to the person that you've got trouble with. I'm looking for healing. Why are you speaking to, why are you speaking to the venter then? Why are you speaking to the spiritual amputee? If it's really healing you're looking for, if it's real healing you need to look, you're looking for, it's your brother or sister in Christ that you need to go to. No, them. No, uh, so sometimes we can dress venting up in that. If it's real forgiveness, again, don't dress that up either in manipulation or uh, some sort of secret healing, a bit like uh, some like the, the woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years. She wanted healed. She was desperate to be healed by Jesus. But she was terrified he'd been exposed because she was unclean. You know, so there's that part as well and there are other things going on in that as well and shame wants healed at times uh, without exposure and that's not how that works when restoring relationships and it's certainly not how it works here with Jesus and Peter because Peter's getting this conversation because he desperately needs it for his for his call and his purpose and to get him back into his rightful place not just with Jesus but the disciples as well uh, so if it's true healing and restoration and for God's purpose, then I believe it must be done. And I think as, as we mature as believers, we get to learn that we know, you know this can't be left unsaid. Too many fragmentations, too many unsaid things in relationships. If it's venting, tame the tongue, seek the word for, for, for healing and, and no seek man or allies who, who will just... Um, comfort you but not really be able to heal you it'll be relief uh, rather than healing and as you read this whole chapter I think when Peter says I'm going fishing you know he hasn't really spoke to anyone about it I think you know that as you read the scripture and you get into the heart and Peter's saying I'm going fishing and if you, if you get into the heart and the spirit of the whole passage you can just go he's no went to them he's no been to John and all that how, how do you think I'll be here what do you think I'll be here it's like that you know when you've got things going on and you're just like, I just, uh, you just stay busy. You just stay busy. It's a bit like that. And I know many people, you get pure people, different people saying this, you're no Peter but Mark, you're no Peter. Don't, you don't need to talk about that. Listen, okay, right, doesn't matter. I'm not going to argue about that. Uh, and yes, it's hard. It can be very awkward. But godly purposeful relationships require these things. 
Because it truly brings deeper unity and even more so when it's here, it's Jesus that's doing it. And also I believe that it, start, it releases the person and this is part of Jesus' whole reason for this date, this whole this whole event, this whole breakfast by the sea that went on for hours and hours and hours from the morning right through into the evening. This is, this is not a, a quick thing that Jesus is just ready to say and get over. He could have, but it doesn't work that way with people's lives. Um, sometimes, because we have to get through that process. Remember Peter at the, the moment is a leader with no confidence. We have to understand that he's a leader with no confidence. A lot of shame, guilt and doubt. No, about Jesus. By now he's got no doubt about Jesus. Uh, but he's certainly got doubt about how he thinks Jesus sees him. And this is why we often need these. It's, many of us don't have doubt about Jesus, but we've got a bit doubt about how Jesus sees us. Uh, especially after we've done all sorts of things and no loved up to our who we say we are and, uh, and this unworthiness that Peter has has kind of floored him and, and I've heard many messages saying this was the best breakfast ever you know I mentioned that last week the barbecue to end all barbecues I'll, I'll just say this no for Peter I don't know if you've ever had this you've ever been having a meal and you're just like oh. it's the see for Peter it's the worst breakfast ever Okay, I know you won't hear that mentioned much, but the best breakfast, this is the worst breakfast ever because it's like, I don't think you a wedding, you go to a wedding, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a speech here. Like, how was the meal? I don't know. I'm an absolute nervous wreck. I can't even think about the meal because I'm too busy thinking and worrying about what I'm going to say and what's going to happen. And Peter would have been in this hole. In fact, all the disciples who are having breakfast by, none of them are having a wonderful meal. Because it says, it says in the scripture, as we know before, I think it's verse 13, 14, it says, none of them dared ask because they knew it was the Lord. So there are sheepishness about what they're doing because they all went fishing. At the end of the day, they all went fishing. And, it, and it's that impending, oh no, I'm at this meal. And just to get the, they're sitting here and Peter be sitting. Oh. But especially Peter, the rest of them, but especially Peter. And I'm almost certain it was a meal that Peter dreaded ending. But then he knew he needed it ended. And he so wished he could probably enjoy it. You ever had that? Well, I wish I could enjoy this better, but I've got too much stuff going on. And Jesus is about to close out with this intimate and very frank and corrective dialogue with Peter. And let's, before we get right into it, remember who Peter is and what his role was. He was the leader for all the disciples. He, he wasn't he over the disciples, but he was the spokesman of the apostles. Not above, but he was the leader in his role. Uh, he was one of the three closest to Christ. Only one that walked in water was at the transfiguration. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's been there. He's, he's been so close to Jesus. He's walked in water. He's, he was named as the rock. Small rock, not a big rock. I'm not going into it. Uh, he's named as the rock. Oh, uh, in which Jesus would build his church. And Roman Catholics go, that means he's the first pope. That means because he's the head of the church. Listen, there's no scripture. Uh, it's, this is dead simple. There is not one scripture that says Peter's the head of the church anywhere. There's only one that's the head of the church and it's Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. Throughout scripture, I, I, could, I don't even need to say scripture verses. Just flick and dip. 
Uh, and honestly, Jesus is the head of the church. And therefore, there's no first pope. And listen, if you want to go even further there, you know, if you get into third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh century and where popes went and where it went, hence why we needed a reformation uh, and where that went. Read the 95 Theses of Luther and you'll... Anyway, anyway, we, we really, it's, it's not even an argument. Uh, but Peter was essentially the early church. And the gospel. The head, yes, he was the head. He, well, Jesus is the head. But he was the, 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 the chief apostle, if you like, in here. Uh, but not the Pope. Uh, and over the, let me just say how important this is for Peter's restoration. The first 10, 11 chapters in the book of Acts is more or less Peter's dialogue. It's what Peter's doing to build the church, what Peter's preaching. So at that point, Peter is the head pastor uh, of the holy, the, the, the Christianity at that point. Uh, so he's a leader. And this guy is a huge call in his life. And a huge level of responsibility is about to come his way. So it needs this conversation. And it needs to seal the deal. Every believer needs these conversations. However, Jesus is to take Peter through this restoration process, else Peter will never completely serve Christ fully. Um, or serve others. Or have that intimate relationship we needs with the disciples because there are too many loose ends. Uh, it was a restoration and an aligning of Peter's purpose. Closure and healing, therefore, is paramount, people. And this is truly the greatest closure that you'll ever read in your life in these verses. Uh, here we go to verse 15. That's just, that's just an introduction there. Verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And Jesus calls Peter here by his former name. It's like when Peter acted like his former self. Jesus calls him by his former name. He did that regularly. He would often say this to Peter. In fact, one time he called him Satan. Get behind me, Satan, Matthew 16. And where his unredeemed and selfish, self-centered mind spoke, Jesus would call him by his former name. However, as much as Jesus was correcting Peter, and I think this is important, as much as Jesus was correcting Peter, he was also reinstating him. So calling him that, Jesus is also remembering Peter when they met and how they'd walked this journey. It was saying, I know all of you, you used, I knew who you used to be. You know when you've got deep friendships that people don't just call you by a name, they can call you by your other name or they'll call you a different name. It's a name that because they've known you for a long time, it's, it's like that. And Peter's reminded that, when he mentions his name, Simon, son of John, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of John, uh, it's also reminding Peter of that time when he first met Christ and Jesus is restoring that and remembering that. So as, he's, as much as he's bringing correction, there's, there's comfort in the correction. There's a great statement that says this, is a, a true leader is someone that can stand in another man's shoes without taking away the shine. It's a bit like that. Uh, and Jesus then asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And the very way Jesus addresses that tells us that it is correction. 
And Jesus is having the scary conversation, okay? And if I was going to do a subheading for the day, it would be called The Greatest Closure Ever Told, The Scary Conversation. Everybody has had a scary... If you've never had a scary conversation as a believer, uh, you've probably hid, hidden, hid your whole Christian life or you're totally obscure or you live your life around non-courageous people, people-pleasing people, passive pastors, passive people, or unaware people, if you have never had a scary conversation. Uh, I've had lots of scary conversations. I've been on the receiving end of lots of scary conversations, but I've also participated in many, many scary conversations. Some of these are sitting like, oh, I've, had many, I've had a scary conversation. And Jesus starts this restoration process with Peter, our final process with Peter, with a scary yet beautiful conversation. If any of us had scary conversations, you would know that as scary as they are, they're beautiful as well. They really are, if they're done well. And this conversation was not a one-sentence thing. Uh, and let me say this, that what time we've got left, we're only going to get through two verses here. And the reason we're only going to get to a, few, a couple of verses here is, is healing a, a broken heart take, takes a long time. It should not be rushed. And Jesus is in no rush here. I heard Sinclair Ferguson with his beautiful tone. Jesus is just not in any hurry. He's just bringing this healing and this restoration and every single thing that Jesus does will cut to Peter's heart and restore it at the same time. It's cutting his heart and it's restoring it at the same time. Uh, well, this is why we'll take the whole service. Restoring the heart takes time. Restoring a person after they're wounded takes time. Remember that, Christian. Remember that, pastor or leader. It takes time. And Jesus seems to be in no hurry, as I say, as he labours in the conversation with Peter. He's had the meal, nothing's rushed. The feeding Peter part's been done. I know part of that's part of the process of Jesus' servants bringing a different oh, the atmosphere, the whole presence that he's bringing here. Now, there is some different ways. Let me just say, there's some different ways in which you can read this. What was Jesus meaning, do you love me more than these? Meaning, do you love me more than these fish? These nets, all this fish and tackle. Do you love me more than this? John MacArthur and others believe that, eh, eh, that that's what it is. And, and it's very, it's valid and maybe possible. Uh, and Jesus does say in Matthew 4 that you can't serve two masters, meaning God and wealth, the world and Christ. So it, it could be understood that why it's like, do you love me more than these, this fish, this boat, this net, all this stuff that you use for fishing? So Jesus may be saying, do you love me more than your career? Do you love me more than what brings comfort to you? Do you love me more than your worldly pursuits? After all, this is the first thing Peter did as soon as he's in trouble, he goes fishing. Another is, do you love me more than these? Meaning, do you love me more than the other disciples? Do you love me more than these guys? Some people think, I, 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 
it's not really worth getting into time with that because it, that's just not the case. There's nothing in the discourse anywhere in scripture that Jesus, that Jesus is pitting each other against people. So that would not be the case. Here is what's more probable though. That Jesus is saying when he says, do you love me more than these? Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than the others love me? Do you love me more than all the other disciples? That's just really what he's saying. Uh, than those around you, whom you keep telling me you do. You've got to remember, throughout, Jesus, without, throughout Peter's three-year walk, he was always saying, they might leave you, but I'll never leave you. They might do this to you, but I'll never. He was always, he was always declaring how much he loved Jesus more than everyone else and actually more than he actually did. Uh, do you really love me more than anyone else, Peter? Jesus is saying, you always seem to like to say so. Do you really love me more than anyone else loves you? Now, let me just say this. Jesus is not, Jesus is not saying to Peter, because I need you to love me more than anybody else loves me. I mean, he's not a nut. That's just crazy. Would, you, would a, a father ever say to the, his two sons, imagine he's got two sons, you say, I need you to love me more than my other son loves me so that you can do things for me. So that you can say, so that's no the, the reason. Uh, an earthly father wouldn't do it and certainly Jesus isn't he wanting more love. He's just looking for genuine love. A love from Peter that doesn't need performance. A love from Peter that doesn't, until now, Peter loves Jesus, but it's all so much it's performance-related love. There's so much performance attached to it. A love that, that's trying too hard, yet Jesus is looking for a, a love that, there's just no fake. A love that allows Peter to stop showing off, stop giving a love that he thinks Jesus would. He's given a love that he thinks Jesus wants. Many of you live life and you've struggled with that. You think, I'm going to give them the love that I think that's what they're looking for. No, but when, you, when you've got separation issues and uh, we've still got carnal, carnality in our mind that, that sometimes, and, and we're looking for approval, especially for your peers. Uh, and in this case, it's Jesus. And Peter, Peter's kind of always kind of going, I'm going to give him the love that I think he wants. It's, it's, it's like, and in fact, it's even more than that. He's like, I'm going to give him, I'm able to love Jesus the way he loves me. Just bear that in mind. A love, and Jesus, like, a love that's no macho or reactive, a love that's in line with your faith, no your ego. And when Jesus says, Do you love me? Jesus is saying, in a total, complete sense, Do you love me completely? Do you love me with the highest form of love? Or Peter answers, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. I think Peter's pride here has left him. Uh, and Peter's been kind of humbled. Uh, so he's not kind of declaring here. He's just kind of saying, you know what? You know I love you. There's a total humility there. And it's like, I, I can't now say I love you more than I do. Because I've proved I don't. Uh, many, many people, let me just go here very quickly. Many, many people will... will, will, will interpret this whole passage as, as agape and filial, right? Agape means like, like a, a higher form of love, unconditional love and filial. So what, so what, what a lot of people are saying is, is that Jesus, Jesus is asking Peter in the agape and Peter's then answering him back in a lesser form and then that's the whole process they get through and it's all about the verbs 
that, that White's doing it. Now, that could be the case, but I have to be I, I used to think that, I'll be honest. I, I, I don't see it that way at all now. I don't see it that that's what Jesus is doing. I, I, just, think, I just think the scripture speaks for itself without that. And, and if you use that as the play in the words that it's about, the verbs, agape. So Jesus is saying, do you love me, Peter? Jesus is saying, do you love me unconditionally? But Peter's no able and he says, well, I love you as best I can. I, nowhere because the, the words agape and phileo, throughout the scriptures in John even, they're interchanged. Uh, so I can understand why people say that and you could say that. I wouldn't argue about it. I wouldn't follow it. People, but I, I don't see it that way. And many think that's what this is about, but I'm not sure they have any real beer bearing on the text. To be honest with you, you could take the text that way, but it's no real beer. Listen, stop asking me. I, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I know many will disagree. They go bigger than the gappy and the phileo stuff uh, for these verses. However, the subject for me speaks for itself. Really, every time Peter answers, he's humble because he says to Jesus, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. And there's a whole different tone and spirit in what Peter's saying compared to what he was saying as somebody might do that, I'll cut ears off and all that stuff. He's, he's kind of, he's been humbled. And it's all that Jesus wants to hear. And the reason I believe it, that we don't need to get into the verbs is because of the, once, once Peter answers it, Jesus gives him a, a commission. And if he never said it right, I don't know that we say the commission next. Anyway, that's just how, anyway. Remember, Peter would boldly declare, you know, Peter would boldly declare, Abed, how much he loved him. Now he's been humbled as much as though he, he's maybe living, at, is he loving at a higher level? But I think he's been, his ego, his pride, his performance, who he thinks he is and his own strength has been, loving Jesus in his own strength has been sapped. So rather than say, maybe, maybe, maybe before he's saying, my love for you, and this is where the gappy and the phileo come in, maybe he's saying before, my love for you is very self-indulgent, whereas my love for you now is, I understand that it's been self-indulgent. Because Peter's now been humble, and like us, we end up humble, didn't we? Why do we end up humbled with God? Because... Because we overpromise and underdeliver. Because we declare we're more committed than what we are. That we love Jesus more than we do. That we care more than we do. We declare our love for Jesus, but yet don't love our brother. We declare, it's a bit like Ephesians 1, we declare our love for Jesus, but... And we weep and we may come to a service or you come to church and you weep and you go, oh, I love you, Jesus. And then the next day you're no loving or you're no loving near as much. You're declaring them one day and you're, maybe I'm being a bit, maybe it's too much to say cursing them the next day, but we declare them one day and we can ignore them and we get into our own world the next day and we all do that. And many of us will identify with Peter because we don't love, what, we don't live what we declare. And Peter's no living what he declares. And in order for Peter to then fulfill the call that Jesus has in his life, he has to live what he declares. And then Jesus then gives him an instruction, feed my lambs, feed my little ones. My, mine, no, no yours, Peter, mine. Maybe that's meaning just feed them young in their faith. Feed them young in their faith. Be patient with them, tend them. Be the pastor and observe them. 
verse 16 then says, he said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Again, Jesus asked him, do you love me? And as Jesus commissions him in anything other than genuine love and complete love, um, where he was is just making him too selfish to consider other people. If you look at Peter's life, so many of the things he'd done was about Peter. Wasn't it? it was all about Peter. You know, if that's you, Jesus, command me to come into the water. That's an amazing thing to say. You know, if that's you, Jesus, command me to come into the water and I walk in water. But it was made about Peter. No, cutting ear off, it's about Peter. There's so many things that Peter done as a Peter. It takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. Far be it from you, Jesus. Because I can't cope with the thought of that. And he's got this, still got this self. Uh, and his carnal man, if you like, is still kind of wrapped up in his love for Christ. And it's not a complete serving love, but in a sense, a self-serving love. And I think this is why they do the agape and the filial thing. Uh, it's a kind of self-serving love. And many of you will know this, or we know this, that see when love is no sacrificial and it's no given, it's, and it's taken, the relationship will always be fragmented uh, because it's no serving Jesus says, greater love is no man that he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus says, this is, I do this, do this and imitate me. You know, he's, he, Jesus tells people that you wash my feet and Peter's like, I'll no, you'll never wash my, and he's got oh, this whole thing going on. You'll never wash my feet. No, and he says that in the upper room. And then Jesus says, well, you can't be a follower of me. And then Jesus he humbles himself again. And it seems to be this whole journey with Peter, doesn't it? I think, I, I think that's why I love him so much, really. I can so identify with him in my life, this <laughs> loving Jesus, but being a wretch, loving Jesus, but failing. And we've spoken this in Ephesians, as we know, it's a bit like Peter's a kind of one-man band rather than a leader to the people, rather than being an example and loving the people and taking people with him. If Peter didn't, let me just say this as we're bringing this in. See if this cool conversation doesn't happen, the scary conversation doesn't happen, which we all need. Uh, we all need these scary conversations. Uh, if this doesn't happen, uh, but of course it's going to happen because it's sovereign and it's going to happen, right? But, but if this doesn't happen, Peter is really following Jesus with nobody else. Better watch the camera here, I don't go away. P Peter here is just like going for a walk with Jesus. Uh, who, who's here with you? Never mind who's here with you. I'm here. You don't need anybody else but me, Jesus, me and you. It's almost like that. <laughs> Peter's want to cut ears off and Jesus picks up Malchus here, you know, the, the, in, in, the, in the garden. Peter, oh, he's, he's gone mental and he gets the sword, cuts the guy. He's trying to cut his head off, by the way. Wasn't he a bad, it was a bad miss. Oh, wasn't he like, I'm just cutting your ear off? It wasn't he one of the ones. It, was no, it wasn't he David with, it wasn't he like David did with Saul in the, in the, in the cave. He's, he's literally trying to cut his head off here and he's missing, he's cut his ear off and Jesus picks up the ear and puts it on him. Picks it up. Guys, it's almost like saying, I don't want to be over metaphorical here. It's almost like saying, you know what, Peter, how can they ever hear any of what I've got to say. How can they ever come to know me if they can't hear because you're cutting their ears off? That's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to cut ears off. I'm here to get people to hear. Them who have ears, let them hear. Why would the script, let them have ears, let them hear, except Margaret, I don't want him to hear. And that's where Peter's at. 
And then it says in verse 17 as we bring this in, and he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And said to him, Lord, do you hear, where do you hear this now? It's just, it's just, it's a surrender. And it's a humility. And it's almost a humiliation almost. Now, I've heard this saying, if you don't show humility, you will be humiliated. And many have been humiliated many times. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. And Peter is grieved. The word grieved is, is the same type of grief that Peter felt, believing the, when he denied Jesus three times, as he reminded of how shallow his love was. He's reminded here how shallow his love is compared to how much love Jesus has for him and how he denied Christ three times. And if you go back to the, 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 the verb discourse where Agape and Philo, it would be that what grieved them, they would maybe say that what grieved them was that then in the third time Jesus speaks to him in Philo. And at that moment, Peter realises that he's level of love. So that's where people, that's where many, many people go with that. I believe it's a bit, I don't know if there's as much a plain words as that. Uh, I believe it's that he was deeply grieved because of the three times he just knows, oh, he knows the depth of his inability to love Jesus and his own strength. And I believe the former was more coherent there that that's why he was grieving. And it closes with Peter saying, Jesus, you know all things. And he's just like this. He's like this man, it's just transformed in front of your very eyes. <laughs> he's just a different man. You know my heart. This is what he's saying. You know my heart and you can see right through me. Isn't that a great thing? Before until then, he didn't think Jesus could see right through him, but he, he did hear Jesus seeing right through everybody else. And it's amazing that we think that Jesus can see through everybody else and we can't, he can't see through us. There's a wee bit stuttered there. Don't you think that it's amazing that Jesus can see through everybody else, but yet he can't see our, through our motives and desires? And at this moment, Peter's got the... It's like a realisation. I've seen you seen through everybody's problems and issues. And now I see you looking right through mine and you can, you can see that I'm, there's an element where I'm a fake and I'm a phony, in a sense. But I love you, Jesus. But I love you. I love you to everything I can love you with. But it's way shorter than how you love me, that's for sure. That's what I see. And I wrote a post yesterday. I really need to close. And I was talking about a fig leaf. And when we use the fig leaf to hide, what ends up happening is we use the fig leaf like in Adam and Eve. He uses the fig leaf. Adam, where are you? I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? I'm naked because he had a fig leaf on. And the fig leaf, and as I get thinking about that last night, and as I was preparing, I'm thinking about the fig leaf and how the fig leaf, a leaf in a fig tree is to protect the fruit. But then when we take it off and we use it to protect our ego or our shame, two things happen. Eh? The, 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 we, we silence the voice of God. We're shutting out the voice of God speaking into your life. But more than that, we're not protecting the fruit. Love, joy, peace, if you think it like that. We're not protecting the fruit. 
And Jesus, Peter says, you know my heart, you see right through me. I'd... And this is what he's saying. He says, I know, that I, I know that I don't want any other relationship with you than what I've got. I don't want to pretend that my relationship with you is better than what it is, above what it is, that I'm above what it is because I've done that for so long and I'm broken because of it and I'm struggling because of it because I keep on saying that my relationship with you is more powerful than what it is but I keep on letting you down. And I can't love you in my own strength. I can't serve you in my own strength. I've been serving you in my own strength for three years. I've been leading my own strength. I thought I could love the way you loved me without total surrender to you. See that, see, see that alone? This is worth the admission money alone. I thought I could love the way you loved me without total surrender to you. We cannot love people and love the world as in, I mean love the world as in serve with the gospel. Until we surrender our life to knowing that we could never love people in our own strength. This is why I always say to people, you could I know your struggle to let go and you, you struggle with your loved ones and you might struggle with your kids, but you could never love them the way that Jesus loves them. And you keep on trying. It's like, I keep on trying to love with total surrender to Christ. And now I know I can only love, and Peter says, and now I know I can only love and serve and lead and follow in your strength, in your love, in your trust. And then Jesus says for the third time, the elementary, three times that he denied him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Preach the gospel. Get there. Take care of people. Tell them about me. They are all through me. No Peter's sheep. No some pastor's sheep. No the mega church pastor's flock. They're Jesus's flock. They're Jesus's people. They're Jesus' sheep. And when you know that you can't love people in your own strength, you'll know they're Jesus's and you'll only serve him. And in, what in turn will serve them. And next week we're going to get into this wonderful closure as Jesus then takes Peter this walk along the beach. It's stunning. I know this is lining up to this man's life and his purpose and calling as we go to Acts. The Holy Spirit comes upon him, the comfort of the great council. And Peter preaches like nothing, like nothing that anybody's ever seen before. Because he's doing it all for Jesus. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages. 